because it's Cammy and it's Amanda and we're basically basic. <laughs> For some reason, we're just laughing again. I don't know. We just get excited. We yeah. love you guys. And I'm really, really excited for this episode. It's the last episode in our Waiting Well series. We're closing out. Closing it out. Ending it strong. And I don't know about y'all, but I feel like this series has changed me. Yes. Like, I was telling a friend the other day, I had no idea what a gift doing a podcast would be, but it is like just blessing me so much to get to sit down with people that I know, people I don't know, and just to dig out the gold in their life and be like, I want to hear your wisdom. And I just feel like I'm receiving so much. Yes, it. absolutely. These women are waiting well. Warriors. Warriors. And now we've talked about, so if you've been keeping up with this series, we first had on our sweet friend Morgan, who talked about just kind of waiting for her partner in life, waiting for her husband. And then we had sweet Javanna on last week who talked about waiting for her family. And this week we have on Parker who is sharing what it feels like to just wait when you know that God's given you a gift and a calling on your life and waiting to see the fruit in that. It's so good. She's so wise. And um, since Parker is an out-of-town guest, we are actually drinking Starbucks by ourselves today. Yes, we are. And she is hopefully drinking Starbucks in yes. Nashville. Yes. Um, but Amanda, what are you drinking today? So I've been a little bit on a decaf kick just oh, because I'm okay. trying. Yeah, I've been, Satan's really been trying to attack me with some headaches lately. Yeah. And so I've been trying to cut out some caffeine, see if that helps. But also, you know what helps? The word of God. The word of God. <laughs> so His voice helps. Goodbye. Um, so yeah, I'm drinking a decaf right now. So I did an iced decaf Americano with a little bit of almond milk, mm. as you know. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and ice, which is, is surprising because it's very icy right now. I, yeah, I know. But, you know, I just it's, like, I don't know. I, I was going to say it's spring. It's not spring. It's not spring. But you know what? The sun is out today Texas, for the first spring. time in like five days, and I feel joyful yes, about it. Yes, I do. Oh, my gosh. The other day when it was like 75 out of nowhere, yeah. I was like, bless the Lord it was oh amazing. my soul. It was, it was so good. It was good. So, so good. Okay, so I am drinking. I actually went to my go-to, which I haven't had in a while, which, well, my normal go-to has caffeine, but since Americano. I'm, you know, prego, I had a tall decaf Americano mm-hmm. with a pump of toffee nut, yep. some half and half, and then I always put a little sprinkle of cinnamon yes. on top. And then also, side note today, I got a baking Gouda sandwich. Those are, like, so good. Have you so, had those? Cami, that's my go-to. Oh, Yes. I, I say I normally don't get it because it's like a little more calories. And I yeah. love the spinach feta wrap, yes. but they were out. It's so good. And the reason I got it is because my sister, Regan, she told me, I asked her, I was like, if you could, I don't know why I asked this question, but I was like, if y'all could have your last meal on earth, like what would you have? Breakfast, <laughs> she lunch, and dinner? Gouda? She literally said for breakfast, she'd have a bacon gouda sandwich from Starbucks. And I was like, oh wow, I must be missing out if that's your last it's meal really on good. earth. If you want to go one step basic, Ooh. get the avocado spread with it. Oh. Uh, and you dip it in the avocado. What? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a yeah. thing. You know which one it's I really want to try is there's like this one that is like on a croissant. Oh, and it looks. I know exactly. It's like the swirl. Oh, the swirl croissant. I know exactly what we're talking about. I've never, never had, had it, it because it's, it's like, like a million calories. Like a Why do they have to tell you the calories? I don't know. <laughs> It's anyways. like, then I'm making a conscious bad choice. Anyways, okay. So, guys, just stay tuned. This episode's going to blow your socks off. Parker is beautiful and wonderful and talented and wise. So, stay tuned. Okay, guys, we are here on the Basically Basic podcast, obviously, with our special guest. And this guest is special for so many reasons. One, because she is the first guest we're having that is long distance. Via phone. So if it sounds a little different, that's because it is. So get over it. It's going to be fine. It still sounds great. Still sounds great. And two, because this person is one of my favorite humans. She's been a roommate of mine. We've walked through so many seasons of life. And she's just somebody that radiates truth inside and out. She is a woman of integrity. She is herself in any situation with success, in the waiting, in all the seasons. She's beautiful inside and out. And so I would love for you to give a warm BB welcome to my friend, Parker Noe. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Okay, so guys, we started recording because we were talking to Parker a while ago about how she doesn't like you don't like coffee at all. Well, is that I have like a caffeine, right? caffeine thing where there's this thing called hypersensitivity to caffeine, and I have it. So, like, if I drink coffee, it'll stay in my system for, like, three days. And I'll be, like, clammy and sweaty and think I'm going to die. Oh, okay. no. So, I have a question. How did you discover that you had this? Okay. Because so this is a funny this story. Is gonna, I can imagine. So funny. Okay. So, I, like, always felt weird if, like, someone got my order wrong somewhere. Like, in college, if I went to a coffee shop and I got something and they accidentally would put, like, 
coffee in it or whatever. But I figured out that it was like a thing. This was like after Spencer and I were married. So in the last like few years and I had a cup of coffee with him in the afternoon. I was like, oh, this smells good. I should have this. And people do this all the time. This is normal. Yeah. And I had it. And for two nights, I woke up, like, I sleep really sound. I get up really early, but I, like, fall asleep within, like, two minutes. I don't wake up. I'm, like, a very hard sleeper. And I kept waking up. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was, like, I woke Spencer up, and I was, like, I have to go to the hospital. Like, I am going to die right now. My body is, like, shutting down. I think I feel, like, jittery, but also I, like, feel like I'm going to pass out no and he was like just go like go downstairs and eat something and then if you don't feel better then we'll go so I went down and had like applesauce with cinnamon and peanut butter to like get my blood sugar back up because it felt like I was gonna pass out or something so I was like it's gotta be my blood sugar and it wasn't I felt a little bit better but we figured out that it was just caffeine in my system so like two days later I was writing and I was with like Russell and Casey and I felt when the caffeine left my system, I was like, guys, I feel better. They're like, what? It was like, this whole thing has been happening for the last two days. And I think the caffeine literally just left my system. That is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I know. That is. So no, like you would be the person that if you ordered a decaf drink and they actually gave you caffeine, you would know like oh, immediately. Oh, I, I would know within like 15 minutes because I'd start feeling crazy. That's horrible. That is horrible. Like, I'm so, so sorry. If you have like a weird like. Uh, like hyperthyroidism where you feel like crazy it feels a little bit like that or like I guess maybe if you just had like way too much caffeine on an empty stomach for a normal person I don't know but anyway so I can't have coffee so do you like the taste of coffee and you've just been like I just can't have it or are you I haven't really had it it enough to know if I like it I just like I like how it smells and it seems like a nice thing. Like I'm a four on the Enneagram and coffee is like a thing for fours. So I feel like I have missed out on like maybe something that people love, but it's funny because yeah, being a being a four on the Enneagram, which we want I want to talk to you about that too, yeah. because I don't know that many fours. But I feel like when I when I do meet fours now, I immediately compare them to you in my mind just because you're my closest four. Mm-hmm. But I feel like coffee for fours is a big deal but also coffee living in nashville is a big deal there's like coffee shops everywhere oh, yeah. like corner. everyone's like let's go meet for coffee oh yeah like when people ask me to coffee i'm like yeah i'll go with you and then i don't get anything they're like are you like on a fast or like what's happening like, okay? and i had to tell that story i'm like no i just don't want to die today so no it's not worth me not sleeping for a week but yeah like you for all pretty sure i don't want to like go to the hospital in the middle of the night because i passed out nope. but so you did say, though, that you finally discovered a Starbucks drink that you're into. Yeah. So, so share with our listeners what you drink. So I drink a London Fog with coconut milk. So fancy. It really is. And I, I was telling her this earlier, but it sounds very British. It sounds British. And I said it sounds like what Taylor Swift would drink. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's like, no, I love a London boy. boy. <laughs> Drinking Fogs with you. London Fogs with you. <laughs> Okay, so what is I honestly don't know what it is, so I'm gonna need you to give me a description so it's here. Tea, usually like an Earl Grey or like a black tea. So it has a little bit of caffeine, but not enough to like make me crazy. Um and <laughs> coconut milk. So it'd be like um like if you had like a latte or something, but with tea instead of coffee. I kinda wanna try it. I do too. It's really good. I wanna be sophisticated. Maybe we should go on the Maybe afternoon. we'll go to well, we're gonna go after and this take a podcast. Picture. And take a picture. <laughs> Of our London fogs. That's so cute. I love that. And I don't know what the weather is like in Nashville, but in Texas, it is like so cold right now. I don't understand. So cold. Oh, weird. Like in it's the 30s. It's been pretty warm here. It's just so rainy and it's been so tough. We have a new puppy and I have to take her out all the time and it's been like pouring rain. Does she get bothered by the rain or is she like kind of Well, she won't it? go to the bathroom, but she'll like play in it or run back and back. So both. <laughs> options don't lead to us like having a bathroom situation happen but that's okay yes which I know our BB listeners will end up following you on Instagram and connecting with you because you're just such a cool person in so many ways but when they do they're going to be so blessed by pictures of this cute new puppy because you have two dogs Delta and then the the new puppy is Rodeo yes yeah and she is like 
prime cute puppy time. So cute. Like, I think I know. it's really like, cute. I feel like, like unbiased moms feel this opinion. Way. I think that she is one of the cutest puppies I've ever seen. Like Daniela, so our friend really is allergic to dogs, came over and she was like, I've never, she's very allergic to dogs. And she like likes our other dog, but like obviously can't touch her. And she was like, I've never felt compelled to pick up an animal in my life. And I want to hug your dog so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, I feel like new moms, when they like, after they have a baby and their baby gets a little bit older, they're like, oh my gosh, any baby they see, they just want to hold it and like get that baby smell. I feel that way about oh, puppies same. now because sushi, sushi is like almost three yeah. and any puppy I'm like, oh my goodness, which actually oh, last night, I haven't even told you this, Amanda. Um, my brother and sister-in-law call me or actually don't call me. They send me a picture because they just got married and the, the caption was, okay, we did a really dumb thing. Big and then dog. the next picture was a puppy. Oh. And I feel like we did their premarital counseling. Like we're definitely like, you know, leaders in their life. And like, they really aren't probably not the smartest decision. <laughs> But instead, I just immediately call them and I'm like, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm a dog aunt. No, it's, I think it's I can't good. Wait to go like we got, we got Delta in our first like six or seven months of marriage and it was great. Like, I think it's good to have like something that you have to take care of together, even when things are stressful. Also, we always joke that Delta's our therapy dog. Where it's like if one of us is like upset or having a bad day, we're like, uh, we just need to snuggle Delta. So hopefully, that's hopefully so radio so is that sweet. way too. She, right now, she's like everything Delta wasn't. She's such a stinker. <laughs> I feel like that's typical second yeah. child, probably like opposite of the first, right? When you think you have it oh yeah, out. Delta was it's like such an angel puppy. Like she was house trained in like a few days. This dog is gonna be the death oh, of me i love sweet. her but man she's lucky she's so <laughs> like the struggle yeah it's real okay well you talked about you just said your husband so why don't you give our listeners kind of just a little quick bio of who you are what you do what who your husband is what he does just kind of like who is parker i said parker noe which yes. is your married name but you go by yes. parker welling as a writer so either one parker welling parker noe the elevator pitch of your oh, okay well yes. i am a Nashville native. I am a singer-songwriter. Um, my husband works in the music industry as well, but he's on the business side. Uh, and we met in college. We've known each other since we were probably 18-ish. We've been together for almost 10 years. We've been married for seven. Um, and I love dogs. And and that's it. And country music and Jesus. And the reverse. Yes. That's a t-shirt. I love dogs, country music, and Jesus. And that is you. Like, that is Park. And you have the big oh, hair, yeah. too. But you're you like, have great hair. She has the best you hair. You have the best hair. I've only gotten to see it in person a few, like, a handful of times. But I just know it's one of, like, easily the top three I've oh, ever seen in you. person. <laughs> so, yeah, you just shared, like, the basic facts. But I'm also going to add to your bio that. Parker, we just said, has the best hair. Also, Parker eats like a five-year-old little girl. She, her favorite foods include animal crackers and macaroni yeah, and, and cheese. cheese. Chicken she, nuggets? She also makes the best macaroni and cheese I've literally ever had. And I don't understand because it's from a box. So I don't get what she's doing that I'm not It's like doing, a feel thing, you but know? It's so good. So, so good. And Parker said she was a songwriter. But what she won't say is that she has been super successful in her career and in a, in a career in an industry where it is very male dominated. Parker has continued to just follow the voice of the Lord and the call in her life and the gifts that he's given her and really steward them so well. And I feel like I got a front row seat, especially because when I lived with you, it was probably some of oh, the hardest, yeah. most it's trying times in that career. journey. Absolutely. That was for sure. And just the way that you submitted that season to the Lord and just continue to press on and now you're on kind of the other side. And I'm sure, I know you'll speak to this at some point, but I'm sure even being on the quote unquote successful side, that just brings in new challenges yeah. and new heights that you want to reach. And it's never, it never stops. But I know you'll probably hate this, but because this is like important for our listeners to know, what are like some of the, the highlights of your career that you'd be like, wow, I can't believe I've already accomplished this. And then we'll go yep. back to like how you uh, got there. Well, I would say the most notable thing that's happened is, uh, my first single to country radio was a multi-week number one 
and got nominated for ACM Song of the Year. Um, I've Woo! been nominated for Female Songwriter of the Year for a couple of different organizations in national like publishing organizations and magazines and stuff. I've um, been featured uh, as a like top songwriter in there's like a top 60 list that Music Row magazine does. I've been featured in that multiple times. I think the highest I was was like 20 something on that, which is like for me to only have had a few singles at radio is pretty awesome. Um, billboards heard me so I've been after, in a bunch of different like, things. And then uh, I've had three number ones in the last, I don't know, maybe 18 or 19 months. I have a single coming out with Russell next week. I have another single coming. For those of you who don't know, Russell Dickerson. Our best listeners definitely would know who that is. <laughs> they probably should. They definitely know. If this is your first episode, then you don't know him. Let's, but let's be real. I would say 68% of our listeners found us from Kaylee's That's episode. That's so true. <laughs> Thanks, Kales. Yeah, so most of them definitely know. But as you're listing these off, Cammie and I literally looked at each other and whispered, so cool we like literally mouthed like we just mouthed it with our lips because that is all these things you're listing off is incredible for it and how old are you i'll be 32 in april okay so yeah, most of so it happened in my, like, before i turned 31 like the big stuff happened like i turned 31 in las vegas when i was nominated for an acm that's yeah. so fun. What a good oh, yeah. It was, what I mean, a marker. Kind of, it was an that. awesome birthday, but I don't love Las Vegas. So being in Vegas on my birthday, which is what happens almost every year because the ACMs are always the first week of April, um, <laughs> is not, you know, my dream scenario, but it's fun that I get to go and get to do all those things. That's so cool. And so I wanted you to share that because I feel like if, you know, if you were to go speak somewhere, or if you were to like hand somebody your resume and see all this, people would be like, okay, well, like, how did she get here? Or like, well, this probably was handed to her or like whatever. But I feel like because I've gotten to see your process and your journey, I wanted you on this specific series of Waiting Well, because I love what you just said, like this all, all of this success really happened like almost in a compounded time. I feel yeah. like, I feel like as I'm talking about this picture of like this volcano and like all this stuff was happening under the surface, you were doing all these things. And all of a sudden in one moment, it just like burst forth. And it just was this breakthrough of like all these seeds you planted are now bearing fruit, but there was a long time of oh, waiting. Yeah. And we've talked in this series so far about waiting for your husband, waiting for a family. And we definitely wanted to talk about waiting for your breakthrough and waiting for just what you feel like God's called you to, to see the fruit of it. Cause I feel like I know this in my own life. Amanda's dealt with this too. So many of our listeners probably can relate to this of like knowing God's called you to something, feeling like he's given you the gifts to do it, but like, it's, why, yeah, isn't, it why isn't it happening? Yeah. And like just doing everything you know to do. And you're just having to like, wait, trust and wait and be like, okay. And not to be discouraged. And especially if like you being in a creative world, like discouragement, bitterness, disappointment would totally shut off your creative juices oh, yeah. to write songs, I would think. Uh, yeah. And it's also so, like, tell me kind of about that Nashville process. Nashville is such a like heartbreak town in general because so many people have a dream and a lot of them don't get to see it. So it, it, this has been a really crazy journey. Like I started writing songs when I was a kid and I started writing professionally when I was about 17 or 18. So I've been at it for a long time. Uh, and it's looked different in different seasons. Like I, um, I graduated high school a year early so I could go to Belmont. I could move back to, Na I'm a Nashville native. We moved to Michigan when I was in middle school. We moved back. I moved back to Nashville to go to Belmont. Um, and I came back basically with the uh, dream of being an artist and making my own records and being like, you know, Faith Hill or Shania Twain, or this is like pre Taylor Swift, um, which you totally could have done by the way. And I, I also think I told you this before, but you were like Belmont. <laughs> like there, that was a thing in college. Like people were like, Oh my gosh, like that's that person. And you were, were you one year ahead of me in school I graduated or two? in 2009. Okay. So you were two years ahead of me in school one year older than me, but I remember being like, that's Parker Welling. <laughs> she is, she's in the country showcase. She's so Belmont so famous. Funny. But really, I mean, you, you could have done the artist but thing. It just, but... I don't really think that was in the cards for me to be honest. Like I went down that path and it, it just wasn't working. Like I, 
my vocal injury, that's what I was doing. It was like nothing ever materialized. Like I wanted to be respected as a writer as much as as an artist. Like, I don't know, like Miranda Lambert or like, I mean, in the pop world, it would have been like Sheryl Crow or Michelle Branch or someone like that. And um, I actually never made a, if you go to Belmont, you'd understand this. Or if you went to Belmont, I never made a writer showcase at Belmont. They have these like showcase series you try out for. And some of them are like for artists to like be on a big stage and do the thing. And then some are these like coffee house kind of like just for the songwriters. So I would make the live auditions and then never get a call back. Um, but I think like in hindsight, I like maybe things like that were what were pushing me more towards being a writer anyway. Like I made the one as an artist and didn't win it. And uh, it was just like, I think it was tough to like be um, just in, fr in front of people in that way. Maybe I'm, I'm, I think I'm just better behind the scenes, to be honest. I think I'm more comfortable there. Um, and so I was at Belmont. I did all that. Meanwhile, I was writing full-time and working full-time on Music Row. I was working for a music supervisor. Um, so what a music supervisor does is they choose songs and do like the back-end like clearances for film and TV, like anytime you hear a song on a commercial or in a movie or on a TV show. Um, I was working for a company that did that. Uh, all through college, I did that. So I would go to class and I would then go to my job and then I would write whenever I could. And around the time I graduated Belmont, I had made a record and I was kind of taking it around to people trying to get a publishing deal, which is a writing deal. And then from there, I was going to try to get a record deal. Um, and uh, my record was doing well. Like it was enough that I could quit my job, which I left that job and started writing full time. My, this was back when like people bought things on iTunes and streaming, like wasn't a thing, but I was making enough that I could pay my rent with my, um, record. So people were buying it. I was playing shows and doing that. And, um, no one was interested in signing me. And I just kept hitting walls. Every meeting I took, people were like, yeah, this is cool. Like, we'll stay in touch and whatever. And nothing just like really materialized out of any of those things. Uh, meanwhile, I've been, I had been writing with a bunch of friends and they were getting record deals and publishing deals and all these things with songs that I had written with them. Oh, which was, so that was really tough. Um, yeah. And so I was gonna, oh. yeah, my college okay. boyfriend got a publishing deal with a company that I had been meeting with and they had been kind of like keeping my, calendar and doing all of that stuff. And then they ended up signing him and not me. Uh, There's just like a lot of crazy things that had happened. Uh, and I was like, with, with that, like, I know nowadays they, it's kind of a thing that people know now of like how in country music specifically, it's really hard for a woman. Like, I feel like we're finally openly talking about it of like, as a woman, you're just played less, like you're signed, but there's just like way less opportunities did you know that at the time already? Or were you just kind of like, I mean, kind of putting the pieces together? Like, hmm, why are all these guys around me getting open doors and I'm not? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's, I'm used to like the boys club thing. I have four brothers. I'm more comfortable in that space. Uh, so in some ways, it's challenging to be like, well, all these guys are getting these deals, but also some of my female friends I was writing with were getting publishing deals. And, and this was, I mean, this was over 10 years ago. So there were females on radio. I mean, maybe a little bit more than there are now, yeah. like, like the band Perry and like little big town was like kind of having their like first moment before they had more. It was like boondocks and all that stuff was big then um carrie was out miranda was out taylor swift was just coming onto the scene uh there were still like that uh the wreckers and michelle branch and, oh yeah there were a oh bunch my gosh i forgot about them i loved them. i love them too yeah there were a bunch of female voices on radio lady a was that was like right when they were kind of getting their start so females were like getting signed and stuff so it it wasn't really something that crossed my mind then. It was definitely, 
it's hard socially sometimes because everyone kind of like grows out. Like even now, like I have a bunch of male writer friends that get to do a lot of stuff I don't get to do because they go hunting and they do what whatever. <laughs> like yep. they're not bringing like me on like a bro trip, you know. <laughs> Which honestly, Parker, you could hang, so they're lost. But I feel like that could be a little. But weird. I I get it, you know, like whatever. I I get that. Uh, and a lot of men have been super kind to me and included me in things. So like it, it all evens out anyway. So all of that was happening. Everyone's getting signed. I'm not. And like, I honestly, like that was one of the tougher things because at that point I still was trying to be an artist and like, I was, you know, working, trying to make this thing happen. And all of the songs that I've been writing with my friends were getting published or getting recorded by them. But like, I, I know what I was doing in the room, not to say that they weren't doing things, but I know that my piece in the room was valid too, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And and that was really challenging to see, like, I mean, in, in hindsight, like, if that was happening to me now, which it does happen to some level, like, my friends get cuts that I don't get and whatever, like, I, I'm a little bit more able to see the big picture and be like, you know, like, if people who love Jesus are winning – then that's fine. Like country music is that. So as long as it's that, I'm good. Uh, But then it was, it was really challenging to look at that. It made me feel a little bit like, well, maybe what I'm doing isn't valid or maybe it is because it's getting recognized, but like, I'm not promoting myself. Right. Like I should be doing more to like, be like, look at me. And I like, I'm not like a look at me kind of person. So the artist thing just like, started to be really frustrating to me. Uh, So anyway, I like was working on these random jobs because my record stuff had kind of died down and I needed to be able to pay my bills. So I started working retail and I would work like a couple days a week until like 1 PM. And I would write at two on those days. And on the other days I would write at 9 AM, 11 AM, 3 PM, and then go to a show at night or write, do it like a night, write. I did that for two years and blew out my voice basically. Um, and so the when you were, so Parker, when you were seeing all of your other friends, like get these record deals or get publishing deals or whatever, was there a moment where you were like, okay, Lord, I'm really frustrated with you. And how did you not just get bitter with him in those moments? Or even if you did, maybe there was moments where you did get bitter. Like, how did you deal with, okay, this may not be like the avenue that I'm supposed to take as an artist, but like, I'm like, how did you get to the songwriter point? And what did that kind of look like in between? Yeah. Well, when that was happening, I'm not like, I mean, a lot of my friends will say that I'm competitive, but I'm more competitive against myself than I am against other people. So it's hard to see that, but it really like, instead of being angry about it, I just like looked inward. I'm like, okay, well I have to be better. So like, Mm -hmm. how do I get better? It's the same thing that happened when I went to Belmont. It's like, I was like, I went to middle school and high school in Michigan and in a suburb where there weren't like a ton of like people who did music, let alone country music. So I was really like the only fish in my pond. And I came to Belmont where I was like, not the best singer, not the best writer, could barely play guitar. Like, and I, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to give up, I like just looked in was, okay what do I need to do I need to write a song every day I need to get in vocal lessons I need to practice guitar so that's what I did you know so yeah okay wait I just want to pause I just want to pause you right there too because that's something I think that listeners can just take note on like I love that you took a step outside of yourself to say like yes here like in Michigan whatever I'm the only fish in the pond but you went to somewhere where you knew like number one you'd be challenged And number two, like you could grow and learn. And I think that's like a key for people who know that they have a passion and God's giving them, has already given them talents and a calling. I think it's so cool that you actually, because he also gives us free will. And so the fact that you took a step and were like, I'm going to go to Belmont, one of like the best music schools so that I can learn. I just think that's really cool for listeners to take away of like, God, God's of course going to take you to the point that he's going to take you. But I also think that there's a lot we can do in our own will and power that he's given us. Oh yeah. I think it's easy to feel entitled to, and not to be like, okay, like I have this gift and like, I should just get it handed to me. And like, 
I know I felt yeah, that. I mean, I think I think with a lot of people, specifically in music, like uh, there's a lot of people who are so talented that it, it is easier. I am not a like naturally like exceptional singer or a naturally exceptional guitar player, even a naturally exceptional writer. I had to learn how to do those things. And a lot of that was from necessity. Like I, that's how I process things. And that was just like kind of how my brain worked, but I had to learn how to be a good writer. I had to learn how to sing twice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell us, tell us about that. Tell us why you had to learn to sing twice because Cammy was telling me there's something that happened to your nodules. So can you tell us So I had been doing all of this like stuff, basically blew my voice out. And then uh, around that time, I was thinking about making another project. I was meeting with producers. There was a songwriter in town who was just kind of getting his first few hits. And he was looking for a female artist to produce. Um, He was supposed to meet with me when I came back from Christmas. And I found out over the break that I had two large polyps, like very large. My cords weren't able to touch. Um, and I, that put everything on hold. So this, at this point, I've like quit my job. I'm like, all I am doing right now is putting every chip I have on the table for trying to make something happen with my music. And now I can't sing and I can't speak. Um, wow. I'm like shaking my head right now. Cause I just, I remember it. Like, I want to just be a testament for you of like, when she says like, I can't sing and can't speak, like she's not being dramatic. Like, like I literally remember you not couldn't able. do it. Yeah, yeah. Like there were mornings you'd like get up and be like, like your voice just wouldn't work. Like you couldn't like, talk. It just like doesn't come out. And they, and I was on top of it, I was put on vocal rest by my doctors. So I really wasn't supposed to be speaking if it was avoidable. Um, so this was, goodness, probably I had surgery like six years ago. So this was probably eight years ago this happened. Uh, and I was, I just started maybe a year before dating my husband. So I'm like in this like newish relationship and I'm like trying to get my music stuff going. And I literally am just like cut out at the knees which was it was endlessly frustrating but also like I don't know it it had to have just been the Holy Spirit because I just had this weird sense of like it's gonna be fine like there are plenty of things if I can't do music and this is like I'd had so many doors closed at that point I'd given so much to it that like if it wasn't gonna work and that was like my like way of knowing then that's what it was I did everything I could it didn't work and I blew up my voice and I wasn't gonna do it so I had looked into going to grad school. I was like kind of messing with like other career options and trying to figure out what I was going to do. Meanwhile, I'm like really able to talk. I'm nannying in the afternoons and like trying to just recalibrate. Which I don't know if you felt this way, Parker, but I feel like as an outsider, like looking in, I feel like for you, that was like your, I said you got cut out the knees, but I do feel like it was your like like surrender moment because I I watched you like really yeah. just like, like you just said lay out Lord and be like kind of that search me and know me God like like I'm yours and like I just want you to to tell me where to go and what to do and but at the same time every day I would watch you get up and do the warm ups that you were asked to do and like do your gargles you were supposed to do and, like all oh, your weird, weird like medical things that they asked you to do you know, committed to your healing, but also praying for a miracle, because that's also sometimes hard too, when you are a believer who knows that God can heal and you believe in that, like asking for healing every day and not seeing it was probably Mm -hmm. also another side of frustration. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was equal parts frustrating, but also like just really refining. Like, I think I had become like kind of this robot that all I did was like wake up and do music stuff and try to figure out how I was gonna like do another like strategic move to make something happen and I honestly I was tired and frustrated more with where I was at with that stuff than I was with it was it was nice for the first month or so to have a break I was sad but it wasn't honestly like it wasn't as sad as maybe I thought it would have been 
mm-hmm. looking back at it, it's crazy because like it was disorienting to be like, okay, this is what I'm known for. This is what I do. And then being like, okay, well, like who am I without this? But that was always met with an answer, you know, like that was never something that like I asked that question and God was not there. Mm, you know? That's good. Like, and then like in the, I guess two months into it, in my vocal rest, this, this had all happened like top of January. Two months in, I went to this like discipleship ministry school thing at CC Winans house and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that, yeah, you did. Love that, that changed everything for me, to be honest. Like during that week, I had a polyp on each side during that, like, or it was like a month long thing. I don't even remember how long it was, but um, the right polyp went away, like miraculously it was healed. Also, I received so like from people who didn't know me at all, literally like people from Australia that have never met me, will never probably see me again. I got all these weird words about my songwriting, not about me as an artist, not about like anything to do with my voice. It was about like what I had to say and the songs I was going to write, which was crazy. And so like, that was one of the points where I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to keep on this path and just like wait it out. I wasn't allowed to be writing or playing shows or doing any of that. So I just like sat and was still. And there's something that's so important about stillness and listening and like not being able to talk. Cammy and I talked about this, like, I, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, but we were talking about it last time you were in town, Cammy, the like pondering in your heart and how Mary pondered all the things Jesus or that God told her about Jesus in her heart and like, didn't really share them. And I mean, I did, it wasn't that I didn't want to share the revelations that God was giving me, but I physically couldn't. And that there's something that's so sweet about that season for like, when I think about it, I kind of miss being able to just be silent and no one expect you to have something to say. Uh-huh. Like there's so much pressure to be like, oh, this is what I'm doing and this is what God's teaching me and this is what whatever. But there, there's something that's really beautiful about like things just being between you and God. Yeah, I love that. And that, that also makes me think of a um, C.S. Lewis quote that says, I'm sure that God doesn't keep anyone waiting unless it's good for him to wait. Yeah. And I just think there's so much in the waiting. And obviously we know that Jesus doesn't bring sickness or things like that because he is a good God and he doesn't, sickness is just not from him. But do you feel like there's things in that waiting and in your kind of sickness of the nodules and like waiting for healing that he brought you to a place where you knew your identity was in him and not just in the gifting. That's where my healing came from. So like the one pop went away when I was baptized in the Holy spirit, my um, throat felt like some people feel it in their fingers or where like their body feels like lightning. Mine, my whole neck was like on fire and I hadn't sang in two and a half months. And I just started singing like in tongues. Like I, when I first started praying in tongues, it was, it was singing. It was not, speaking um which was wild like it was and it was probably beautiful yeah like I it was like so much had happened like internally and like there was so much building up to that point with me like worrying about like what I was going to do and whatever like there's just so much peace in that and having the Holy Spirit like changed everything for me so then moving forward I had to get into speech therapy and singing therapy. And that was like a, a whole thing for like two years. I was doing that and didn't really see any progress on my left polyp for, I mean, it would go down a little bit and then it would plateau. And every time they're like, we're going to schedule surgery, then it would like shrink a little bit. And this was like a, like couple of years of that, which was really crazy that I even let this go on that long. I should have maybe just had the surgery, but I felt like there was still purpose in the way, like I didn't feel an urgency to go back to writing. Uh, And so this would have been like, I guess two years into it, I was, we had a crazy situation. Cammie had maybe just moved out of the house that we were in and we had a, a situation with 
a friend of ours who grew up in a cult and left that and moved into our house. And so there's just like a lot of spiritual stuff happening in our house, which was making uh, some of the other roommates have to like really like dig in spiritually and be like, okay, I'm like, I have to be like prepared for whatever is going to happen in our today. Yeah. Just like really have to be like, mm-hmm. this is spiritual warfare is real. And like, I need to just be ready to face it and fight it. Whatever it's going to look like for me. It was wild. But um, while that was happening, I'm still on vocal rest while this is happening. And uh, my, I shared a room with one of our friends in the basement of this house. And one afternoon we were worshiping and I like felt the Holy Spirit so heavy. Like I couldn't stand up. I felt like it was like God's presence was just so thick. So I was like laying on the floor and I felt like God just like got to the root of all of the things with my voice that was like, and I knew it was like to some level that like deep down that it was like an identity thing, but I didn't realize how deep it was like without going into like a crazy thing in my backstory, my dad hasn't been in my life since I was like a very small child, but he was a musician and his whole family, they're like in their like fifties and forties and fifties. And they're like still trying to make it as musicians. And they have this thing of like, they're going to be a star. They're going to be whatever. And I didn't realize that just as much as it was like my misplaced identity, that it was like a generational thing. And Yes, Parker, that's such a good revelation. Oh, my God. And so I, like, said it to McKenna, my roommate, and we just, like, prayed and, like, I I felt so much better. I kind of had that same feeling that I had when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit in my my throat where it was, like, tingly. But everything was tingly because the Holy Spirit's presence was so thick, which is, like, I sound like a crazy person when I talk about that. I don't have a lot of experiences like that on, like, a regular basis. But my healing was like very much like that way. So this was like during the weekend, I had just gone to the doctor and they were like, we're going to like schedule your surgery. We're going to do all this stuff, whatever. And so I was supposed to go back in a few days. And when I went back, my left polyp was completely gone. Come on. That's incredible. It was wild. So my polyp went away and uh, they were like, this is insane. Like we've never seen this. This is a miracle. My vocal therapist is a believer. Her husband is a Christian writer. And she was was like such a godsend to me because when I was like feeling frustrated with things, she would like always have some sort of revelation for me to like ponder. And like, anyway, so she was like, great. Like God healed you. Go right. Like you should not come back to me. Uh, So they sent back. Can I, can I ask something? Yeah. Parker. So you're, you had two polyps, right? You said you had a left yeah. and a right polyp. Mm-hmm. So the right one was healed right yes. away yeah. at DMS, uh-huh. right? At, in that moment. And and you said that you started, like, you felt the presence of God. Your throat was burning. And you were, like, started singing in tongues. And was that you speaking and singing in tongues for the first yes. time? Yes, yeah. Okay, which I want to talk about that in a second. But, and then the second thing, then you had to go through another process, though, to heal the other one. Yeah, and that was, honestly, that right. was just, like, obedience and discipline. Like that's, yeah. I really think like, honestly, there were some points where I was like, why am I even do- like, I don't even care if I go back to singing or writing. Like I got to a place where it wasn't like I like had given up. It was like a healthy, like, I just don't care. Like there's so many other Surrender. things in life. Like I was planning our wedding and doing all this stuff. I was like, I could do any number of things. Like I was, I have like random odd jobs that I had done through college or while I was like trying to make music stuff work that like would have worked for me. Like I would have been so happy to just like be a florist or like do random things. Like as you were talking, I was going to say like be a florist side note, because you're so good with flowers, which is such a random gift that you have, but you really, like, there were so many times I was like, I should just do whatever. And I just felt like I, I couldn't leave what I was doing. Like I just, it felt like this is where I was supposed to be. I was right in the center of where God wanted me. Every time I was at a place where I was like, you know, this doesn't, is this even worth it? Like I'm spending so much money on medical stuff. I'm like all my whole life is like blowing bubbles in a freaking cup. Like, (laughs) like, what is this? I would get like a random major label cut on something. So I, like I had only written 
I don't know, maybe five or six songs during my vocal rest and almost all of them got recorded on people's projects. And so I was like, well, I should just keep going, keep going. Anyway, so my voice gets healed. I go back to writing, but I haven't written in three years. So I'm like, what do I do? And so I'm like, I'm, I'll just write with like my close friends. Like I've never written with them. They have, they don't know how it was before. I can't sing, but it doesn't matter. Cause I still was like afraid to sing. Like, because yeah, I technically could, but like if you hadn't walked in three years and someone's like, go run a marathon, you'd be like, uh, excuse me. Like, like, can I, I do don't that on a muscular, muscular level? Although my polyp was gone, I really just don't think I could have done it. But anyway, so I went back to writing, but I started writing with my friend Casey and we were working with like random like artists and stuff. We were working with our friend Jess, who had just signed a record deal at that point. And we were like, you know, this stuff. And at our Christmas party, Casey was talking with Russell and, and Russ had heard some of the stuff we had done with Jess and was like, we should write like the three of us, whatever. And so in January we started writing. So we wrote uh, just some like random song. And then the second song we wrote was yours. And I can't believe that. And, and the third song we wrote was blue Tacoma and we just kept writing. And uh, so this was, Goodness. January, February, in March, I went for a checkup and my left polyp was back. Um, and in hindsight, maybe I could have like had the faith for it to go away again, but I was just so tired that I was like, just cut it off. So the day after my birthday, we, I had vocal surgery um, and I like had to be completely silent like couldn't clear my throat for two weeks I like couldn't make a sound uh, and then I started working up to being able to have conversation I was like 10 I got 10 more minutes each day the first few days my 10 minutes were spent on vocal exercises and then work to being able to speak um, but during that time uh, someone had heard yours and had passed it on to there's a country songwriter he's in the hall of fame his name is Jeffrey Steele he wrote a bunch of huge hits for a bunch of artists, uh, like What Hurts the Most for Rascal Flats these days for Rascal Flats. He's written a bunch It's like casual. He, like, and he's one of, like, on a, like, personal level, he's always been one of my heroes. Like, I remember he had a vocal injury. His son passed away really tragically in an accident when he was young. And uh, I had gone to see... Jeff play a show at the Bluebird Cafe by himself when I was in college and was just really moved by him. I just felt like his songs had so much heart and he was just such a great writer and had all this success, but also was just like a cool person. And I remember sitting with my roommate at a show at the Bluebird and saying, man, I wish I could just meet him. Like, I wish that like I could just pick his brain and like, we don't have to even write together. I just want to meet him. So he hears yours and wants to sign me to a publishing deal i can't mind you i can't speak right now when he's wow the first time i met him he just like came up to me hugged me and he was like that song is a masterpiece like everyone wishes they wrote this song and people who haven't heard it as soon as they hear it they're gonna wish that they wrote it you wrote your first number one song i love it i just want to hear more about what you do whatever that led to me getting my first publishing deal with him finally and yeah what a like gift that was to me like it was this small independent publishing company and Jeff was like kind of mentoring this like crew of us. Uh, and it was just, it was really awesome. So I learned so much from him and like he and his family were just so kind to me. Like I had so many limitations vocally and they were not like daunted by that in the least. They were like, no, we just like believe in you. We want to like help you get there. Um, so that kind of led to that. Meanwhile, Russ is having every door slammed in his face. Like everyone in town is like, pass, 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 whatever. He's can't get a record deal. And he just like, was like, I'm just going to put it out. Like him and his management were like, we're going to start a label. We're just going to put it out. And so they put it out and it like the video that he and Kaylee made went viral. The like song was reacting. It was like it had a whole run on 
the highway, like the Sirius XM station was like top two or something for weeks. His, Which I love that too, because being friends with you and Russ and Casey separately, I feel like each of you were in a season of doors, doors just had been shut. It didn't make sense. You were doing everything. And then here the Lord is just being like, Hey, like you guys are friends. Let's just like, see what we can do together. Yeah. And we're going to just going to make it ha- like, not make it happen, but we're just going to like use the gifts that we have where we're at and just see what, what happens. And, and even when doors were shut, still believing in the call that you have. Yeah. And I know that was a huge part of Russ's story too, was he and Kaylee were like, cool. No one's, no one's going to believe in us that we're going to believe in ourselves and make a $6 music video and put it out there and see what happens with a song that we all believe yeah. in. And you easily could have sent that song to a different oh, artist. You easily could have been like, hey, let's let someone else record this song. Hey, dog. <laughs> There's a deer in my yard. Country life. I live like by a like nature preserve thing. Go I feel like your backyard is a nature preserve. What? I said, I feel like your backyard is oh, a nature we preserve. We live by Radnor. And so it, there's like deer. We had like a crazy deer. I'll go on a tangent of that. But um, we, we have deer that like walk around our yard and my dog gets so mad. So he's outside. <laughs> She's like, this is my yard. Bye. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, what were we saying? Well, I, I was just saying like, I, I just think I'm hearing your story and I'm just like looking through the history of it. And it's so cool because I feel like your first healing like when, when you were at DMS and you felt that healing, I feel like that was the Lord, like just showing his power and yeah. like being like, this is who I am, Parker, in your life. Like I can do this. But then I, I feel like, which I even love, side note, which we do side notes on this podcast a lot, but I love that that resulted in you praying in tongues. And I know like some of our listeners probably fall, you know, maybe don't know what that is or maybe have never experienced that. But what kind of what I've been taught on it is that's like your, your personal prayer language to the Lord. It's a spiritual language that, we don't, we don't understand. We don't know what we're saying, but the, a lot of scriptures talk about how no one can tame the tongue and how like taming the tongue is like the hardest thing. But when you're praying in tongues, it's like your tongue is released in freedom to just proclaim spiritual truths to the yeah. Lord. And I love that that was like a, I feel like that was a sign oh, of like absolutely. the freedom that you were absolutely. experiencing. So when I got my publishing deal, I, my song plugger said to me, he was like, I can't believe that you haven't written a song in three years because I'm listening to your catalog and you got better. Like you didn't write songs, but wow. you became a better writer. And honestly, I really think that that is like, there's like this superpower with having the Holy spirit that when you like, it's like you have this channel where like, I don't have to think when I write songs, like not to be like over spiritualizing my process, but like, I really feel like a lot of times anyone who's written with me will testify that I like go into a little hole and then I come out and there's like half the song is done. And that's so true. It's because I'm not doing it. Like it's, I don't have to really like think, I just kind of turn off my brain and the Holy Spirit does it. Which I love that because you you had that experience of learning finally how to surrender and trust. And then after that, it was you learning to also co-labor with him. I feel like yes. the next part of your healing was like partnering and being Absolutely. like, okay, now, so this is your strength, God, but I'm going to learn to endure and I'm going to like have patience and be obedient and show up and do the things. And also just to trust in the mystery of God, like I feel like when you, the second time when your polyp came back and you ended up having to get surgery, you could have easily been like, who are you, God? Like, just like angry. But instead you're like, I don't understand. Don't get it. Like, still don't have answers. But like, he used it all for good. And even in the waiting, you were still growing, which is what your publishers were saying, which is hilarious because it's proof right there that like, he doesn't waste a thing. You know, it's like in the times when you felt unfruitful, you're still growing fruit, which is uh, biblical. I think it's Psalm one, but it talks about being a tree planted by living water and you will grow, you will bear fruit in every season. Yeah. It's either a lot of all searches on one or Psalm two, but I feel like that was you. It's like, even in this desert season where it didn't make any sense, you were still seeing fruit come yeah. just because Jesus is oh, good. A hundred percent. And like, I think that was like the craziest part. Well, it, I think that that also is what gave me like the, faith to believe that 
I mean, we could have pitched yours to any number of artists and it, it probably would have been cut. It probably would have been singled, but there was like, it just felt like it was Russell's, you know? And that's a crazy, like when I look back at what all three of us were believing for, it's insane. Like we were crazy people because <laughs> none of us had really anything going on. We had this song that, maybe like a collection of other songs that could have worked, but we had this one song that was just really special, but it was so different from what was happening. Like this was when like the height of bro country. So it was all like hookup songs and like not really any love songs on radio. And we wrote this song about like everlasting love. It's like the exact opposite of what radio was at the time. And to like put all of our chips on a new artist who is unsigned at the time and being like, no, we're going to hold it. This is like when we, like we could have pitched it after we wrote it within three months of writing it, Blake Shelton was cutting a record. He was still happily married to Miranda. He would have easily cut something like that. That would have been in the realm of possibility for someone like him or Keith Urban or whoever we could have pitched it to. And we held it for Russ and I'm so glad now we did. I think that was like such a like nice little thing that God did for us because all of our first big thing got to be together. And we had all like that's so cool. we'd all like believed for so many things and had so many weird transitions in the lifetime of that song that it like our number one party was such a like special thing. Because it was all three of our first, but then on top of it, the story of that song and the journey for that song. I mean, even at like the Blue Tacoma number one party, we talked about yours again. And like, I'm sure that every little one will talk about yours again because it was like such a moment in time and it, it felt divine. I don't know how to explain it. The song has something on it though. Like I'm mean, when Russ was getting turned down for record deals, they would hear the song. Like, the song is amazing, but I don't know how to explain it. It just like feels Christian or something. But, but what they were recognizing was the spirit that was on it. Wow. That's so cool. I never knew that about this song that, that producers or like publishers would say. Yeah. That. Like, really I mean, cool. like so many people had said stuff like that about and the song, like, doesn't sound inherently like CCM or anything like that. I think it really, what people were sensing was that the Holy spirit was on that song. And that really is what like paved a way for really all three of us and a whole label that was formed around it. And like it, it like started something new. That's so cool. You'd a wave of country music that like was just starting to bud. Like it was one of like the, songs that like was a catalyst for love songs coming back yeah that's beautiful well, it was like a breakthrough moment for the three of you but it also was like bringing in yeah like what you're saying bringing in a new wave of something into an industry that you guys were all so passionate about but I feel like that's so the lord of like he 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 knows his plan not just for you but for the whole kingdom for a bigger yeah. picture and I feel like how cool that he wanted to use you guys what? in that and for like it was like your first such a time as this yes moment exactly of, yeah, it happened earlier, but it was at the that about waiting time. specifically with career stuff is that like it's not entirely about you and that was something that I had to really like come to terms with is that like my waiting is not about like necessarily me being punished for something or me being whatever like it had nothing to do with me the time like if I had continued writing I would have spun my wheels for three more years and then probably another two like because that's the amount of time it took for yours to come out like the timing of the industry I was in was not right for what I was doing so I would have just been more frustrated maybe I would have given up you know like just because I had the kind of hurdle I had doesn't mean that if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have had other doors closed in a different way. If I didn't have a vocal injury that I would have still never gotten a publishing deal or whatever the thing was, you know, like I think yeah. that it was like it, looking back at it, it was all a timing thing. It was like the industry had to be at the right time. It had to be the right artist. It had to be the right producer. It had to be, I had to be in the right place. Like all of those, and the right idea and the right song and like, the the story that of country music is so much bigger than my like vocal injury and not that I'm like 
single-handedly responsible for this, but this song has played a huge part in what's happened in the last two years in country music, that and a handful of others, but it's part of that narrative of the transition from songs and things that are like true to an artist. There's only a handful of artists that are like writing about their own lives and like making like music that's not like, I don't know, that's uh, that's telling a bigger story. Maybe that's the way of saying that. That's not. Yeah. So, okay. So as we wrap up now that you are on the other side of this um, specific season of waiting, what would you say to someone who knows they have a call in their life, but are still in the waiting and maybe doors are being shut constantly and they feel defeated and they don't know why they're waiting or see the answers yet? What would be the best advice or what would you tell even your younger self? I think it's two things. One, like, be sure that you're on the path that you should be on. Like I definitely had moments of being like, okay, God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, did I hear it wrong? Did I get it wrong? Is there a different version of this? Like I was really open-handed about it. And then the other thing is like, if you do get the confirmation and God's like, yeah, this is where you're supposed to be. Like, just stick it out. Like the, the patient path is maybe the fastest one, even though it seems like it's the longest. Like I wasn't working against anything when I was just resting and I still got where I was going. So like, Parker, you just said that and we both like put up like praise hands. We're like, hallelujah. The patient that you said, the patient path is sometimes the shortest, even though it feels like the longest. I feel like that is like, that sums up right there waiting because you're right. It's like, we think that it's all these detours and like taking these different paths, but really it's the path all along and it's his plan. If you're following his voice. Yeah. And I heard actually at DMS, I, this was like one of the takeaways that I had because we were there together was um, I heard, I don't remember who said it, but he was talking about how if you thought you were driving, if you were in Texas and you wanted to drive to California, you would be picturing like the beach and you'd be picturing like the sand and the waves and all that. But as you drive from Texas to California, what you really drive through, which I can attest when I moved from I Texas and so attest. can Amanda, moved from Dallas to LA is you just see desert and dry and nothing. And it's not until like the last little stretch that you actually see the water and like the palm trees and the lush things of California. And I feel like it's so that way with waiting. It's like, we have this picture of what it should look like. And we have this picture of like, okay, God, from point A to point B, it looks like this. It's really easy. But he takes us through this desert and this like different terrain and this way to get there that maybe we would have never gotten there. But yeah. you're right. You could have had success, 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 and you might have not still had your your first number one until fifty. Like, but it's yeah. like this actually was the propelled path that he wanted you to be on. Well, it, I mean, it's a similar destination, but it's still it's a different destination than when I started. You know, that's so true. And, and I'm thankful for that because, like, looking back, this is where I should have always been. But I had to like lay down a lot of things to get there you know and I think just being open-handed with your calling in general like I think we like hear things and we'll be like oh like this is what God told me so this this must be what he meant like when I felt like I was supposed to do music I was like oh he means I'm gonna be an artist I'm gonna be like Shania Twain you know (laughs) and (laughs) and that's not what he had for me like I kind of filled in the blanks on things that that's not what he was communicating the whole time. And I'm thankful I had that part of my journey because I write well with artists because I was an artist for a while. Like I understand that, but that, I, I don't know. I mean, he used all of that, but I think if I didn't fill in the blanks, maybe my waiting would have been shorter too. Yeah. That's such good advice. And so guys, as we're ending this podcast, we just want to thank Parker so much for sharing her story so vulnerably with us And we hope that it encourages you to know that, again, the path that you're on, just because it's not looking like what you thought yet, doesn't mean that you're wrong. But it also, I love what you just said, Parker, it also causes us to go back to the Lord and really be like, am I actually surrendered? Like, is my heart and my life actually surrendered to his plan? And am I willing to, to say like, God, wherever, whatever it looks like, like use me and to trust that, you know, there's a scripture that says, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And I always thought that meant, okay, if I take delight in God, he's going to give me everything I want. But I feel like what it really means is like, as I fix my eyes on him and love him and know him, he actually changes my heart. Like he gives me new desires and dreams 
that are the things that were of of him the whole time. Yeah, I think that's so true. That's like, that's really good. I love that. Well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Parker, as we leave, I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find you, like on social media and how they can connect with you because I'm sure that they will want to. Oh, okay. Um, well, I don't ever get on Twitter or Facebook, but you can find me on Instagram. It's at Parker Welling Noe. You'll see the and we'll spell it. We'll spell it out for them when we post about yeah, this. Yeah, I so. mean, when it, if you type start typing Parker Welling, it'll pop up. You'll see my little face. <laughs> we'll see her beautiful little face. It's beautiful head of hair. To be honest, like I have a lot. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> yeah. You'll see ninety percent hair and then like ten percent face. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, guys, we hope that you are encouraged in your rating through all these episodes, and that you don't give up, but you continue to just pursue God's best for you. So I'm Cami. I'm Amanda. We're basically basic, and we know you are too. Be blessed and be basic. <laughs>